evening, if you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My pastor asked me um, to preach my mind. Uh, I prayed and prayed about direction, the direction from the Lord, and my mind was just drawn towards afflicted saints in our midst, those who are going through affliction. And so I've entitled this message, Sufficient Grace for Afflicted Saints. Sufficient Grace for Afflicted Saints. And I'll begin my reading from verse 1, and we'll go down to verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse 1 to verse 10. The Apostle Paul writes, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one called up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord, Christ, that, I, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that you desire to speak to us tonight. And Father, I do pray for your people that you help them to be attentive hearers of your Word so that their minds might be renewed, so they might live a life in accordance to your word. I pray that you would help me, Lord, that the people would not see me tonight, but they would see Christ and Christ alone. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, as we come to 2 Corinthians, we need to be reminded of the overarching theme of this book. And it is simply this. The Apostle Paul is defending his apostleship against the false teachers which had entered the church in Corinth. These false teachers entered the church, and they were seeking to discredit the Apostle Paul. 
discredit his ministry. They were seeking to destroy his character. And one of the ways they were seeking to do that was by pointing to his weaknesses, pointing to his afflictions. Because in the minds of these false teachers, weakness equals powerlessness. In their minds, being weak was a bad thing. You don't boast in your weakness. Instead, for them, for the false teachers, they would boast in their visions in order to promote themselves and look like an apostle. But Paul doesn't like to boast about visions and revelations because it points to himself. That's why he says, I do not glory in these things, but in my infirmities. And so what the church in Corinth needed was a renewed mind about affliction. They needed to have a biblical perspective of affliction, especially when with regards to ministry. And all of us are in ministry. All of us as believers, we minister to God's people. And all of us need a renewed mind about affliction. And that's what Paul seeks to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 12. And that's what I want us to look at this evening. And, and my desire is that you and I would be equipped so that we might help our afflicted saints who are going through affliction. And all of us are going to go for afflictions in life. We know that from the Word of God. And we need to be equipped, we need to be prepared for it. And so there are a few lessons that we learn in, in this portion of Scripture that I'd like to bring to your attention. So I've already mentioned that these false teachers, they had in their mind that weaknesses was a bad thing. They were like the Jews during the time of Jesus when they saw the man born blind. They immediately assumed that it was his sin or his parents' sin. But Jesus responded to them and said, No, it is not his sin or his parents' sin. It is so that the works of God might be put on display. They did not understand Christ's reasoning. And likewise, these false teachers did not understand it. And so with that in mind, Paul endeavors to give these Corinthians a biblical view of affliction. A biblical understanding of suffering, especially with regards to ministry. So the first thing that I want, first thing I want you to see in this text, in verse 7, is the necessity of affliction for the Apostle Paul. The necessity of affliction. Look with me in verse 7. Paul says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. We learned right here and there that the affliction that was brought upon the Apostle Paul was necessary in order to keep him humble. Remember, Paul had to receive revelations. He had to receive great revelations. And he, and, 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 he had the propensity to become proud about these things. And so God gave him the thorn in the flesh, and we'll look at that in a moment, in order that Paul would not exalt himself above measure. Lest I should be exalted above measure, in order to keep me from exalting myself, in order to keep me humble, God gave me the thorn in my flesh. 
And you know, that's encouraging for you and me today, because it shows you that in the affliction that was brought upon Paul, there was a purpose to it. There was a purpose to it. He was not random. He wasn't arbitrary. There was a purpose to the affliction that was brought upon the Apostle Paul. And it was God who did it. It was God's purpose in the life of the Apostle Paul. And I'm encouraged by that. When affliction comes into my life, I know that there is a purpose to it. The world, people in the world, they don't understand that. But as Christians, we ought to understand that. That there is a purpose in our affliction. And for Paul, it was necessary for God to bring this thorn in his flesh for the purpose of humbling him because he had received so much revelation. It has been said, if you want to be used greatly by God, he will humble you. If you want to be used greatly, he will break you greatly. If, if God desires to use a church greatly, he will break this church greatly so that we, be not, we do not become proud of ourselves. And that's where Paul finds himself. He saw the necessity of affliction. God doesn't want him to be like King Uzziah. Remember him? The Bible says that he became strong and proud. There is the danger. He was strong and his heart was lifted up to destruction. Pride leads to destruction. And God had a purpose in the life of Paul. He didn't want that thing. Therefore, he humbled him. There was a purpose in his affliction. I am reminded of men in the past. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Despised, rejected, sold into his slavery, deceived and forgotten in prison. Think about Joseph for a second and, and ask him the question. One day we go to heaven. Let's say we go to heaven and we see Joseph and we ask him, Joseph, was there a purpose in your affliction, Joseph? He would say, yes, there was a purpose. I went through all of these things so that God would divinely prepare me to be second to Pharaoh so that I might save my people from the famine. So there was a purpose in my affliction. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Think about Job. Job, was there a purpose in all the affliction you went through? Yes, there was. Through my affliction and my response to the affliction, God was vindicated because Satan said, said to God, Oh, Job, he worships you because you give him stuff. Was that true? It was not true because Job said, He gives and he takes away. Nevertheless, blessed be his name. What about David? David, was there a purpose in your affliction? Oh, yes, there was. We read in Psalm, we read in the Psalm. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. What about Jesus? Was there a purpose in his affliction? Was there a purpose in Christ being grief-stricken? Was there a purpose in Christ being afflicted, pierced? Absolutely. For your redemption. There was a purpose in the sufferings of Christ. And since you and I have been called to be in fellowship with the sufferings of Christ, since you and I have been called to identify with Christ in both his life suffering and one day his glory, likewise, 
we are going to have affliction in our lives for good purpose. Affliction was necessary for Paul because of the good purpose that God had in it for him. And namely, his humility. His humility. I do not know the purposes that God has in your affliction. I do not know. I do not know. I, I cannot say that I know exactly. But I know this for sure. That the good at the, at the end of the affliction is great in light of the future glory. It is a good purpose. There is a purpose in the affliction. You can rest assured in that. I don't know why, but I know this, that there is a good purpose at the end of it. A good purpose. He works all things together for what? For good. And so, saints, be, be encouraged. If you're an afflicted saint tonight, be encouraged that your affliction is purposeful. It is purposeful. Next, I want you to see the nature of the affliction. You see the necessity of it? It's purpose. Next, the necessity of it. Look in our, in our verse, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Let's stop there. A thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. This is talking about uh, the thorn there is referring to a stake. And Paul is using a metaphorical language here to tell us the, the intensity of the thorn that was in his body. It was not physical, it's metaphorical. But we get the impression from Paul that it was something very severe. He says that it was tormenting him. And it was a messenger of Satan, an angelos. And we do not exactly know the, the, whether it was physical suffering or mental suffering. We do not know exactly. But we thank God because it, it gives us a, a general view of it so that you and I, we can identify, we can we can say, okay, perhaps my thorn is the burden that I bear upon for lost souls. Perhaps it's my physical suffering. We know that Paul had an eye condition. Read that in Galatians. And perhaps it was something spiritual in the life of Paul. We do not know exactly. But what we're sure is this. There was something in his life that was so intense that we read that Paul says was tormenting him. It was tormenting him. But what I want you to see is this. That it was God who was doing this. It was God who was doing this. It was given to me. You know, Satan doesn't want Paul to be humble. God does. Therefore, it was given to Paul, a thorn in the flesh. God allowed this. Job again. Have you considered my servant Job, Satan? Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant David? Have you considered my servant Derek? Have you considered my servant Paul, John? Have you considered my servant Daniel? God sometimes will use even the enemy to afflict us, but again, for his good purpose. And that, that's what it was in the life of Paul. And you don't have to be scared about that because God has Satan on the leash. He is sovereign. God is sovereign, not Satan. We have to remind ourselves of that, of that today. Satan is not sovereign. 
God is sovereign over Satan. And sometimes God will allow Satan to even buffet you again for his own glory and for your good. And in the life of Paul, this form in the flesh and the messenger of Satan, that was in the providence of God, in his sovereignty. All of that was under his control. And he understood that. God so desired humility in his servant Paul that he allowed a messenger of Satan to buffet him. It's encouraging. It is encouraging. Because God is my father. He's my father. And he's your father as well. It is him that brings the affliction. If Satan does, you can rest assured that God is behind him. That God is behind him. You can rest assured in that. God is sovereign over your affliction. He's sovereign over it. If you're listening tonight from the live stream or you're here now, be reminded that God knows that He is sovereign over the affliction that you're going through. It could be mental, it could be physical. He's sovereign over it. Take comfort in that. Next, I'm going to see the response of the Apostle Paul. And that really struck me yesterday as I was reading this passage. What did Paul do? Paul knows that God is sovereign over his affliction. Paul knows that God has a purpose in his affliction. Now, perhaps you and me would probably just sit down and say, okay, God, you're sovereign over the affliction. I'll just sit there and do nothing. What does Paul do? Read with me in verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord Christ that it might depart from me. What does Paul do? He pleads. He begs God to take it away. He pleads to God. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. Even though he knows God is sovereign over his affliction, and yet he still pleads that God would take away this thorn from his flesh. I find that so amazing. Paul, who, who believed the sovereignty of God, he believes that God is providential, that he, he's the one that's bringing the affliction, and yet he still pleads. Brothers and sisters, pleading before the Lord to take away your suffering is not sinful. It is God-honoring. It is God-honoring. And in fact, Paul says, three times, three times I asked the Lord to take it away. Three times. And I believe Paul was actually at this point thinking back at his Savior who pleaded three times that the cup will be removed from him. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. This is amazing. Paul patterns his life after the suffering servant. He is the servant of the servant. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This is amazing. Verse 38. Jesus says, Then saith unto them, saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, 
Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his, the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me an hour, one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, Thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. There you have Christ pleading to his Father in his affliction. He's pleading it to his Father, take this cup away from me, take this cup away from me, take this cup away from me. Is pleading, is pleading and begging God to take away the porn in the flesh, from your flesh, is that a bad thing? No, it's not. It is a God-honoring thing. In fact, you are following the pattern of your Savior when you plead to God to take away whatever you're going through. It is right for you and I to plead to God to take away the cancer off of our brother. It is good for us to do that. And we should do it even more. Be encouraged to do that even more, since we have the example of Christ in the Bible. But you know, you will never plead as Christ begged his father, or as Paul did, unless you're afflicted, is it? We have been called to share in his suffering. And when we do, we'll plead like our Savior. I'm so encouraged by that, to realize that my Savior begged his Father to take away the cup. So when I go for affliction, it is right for me to beg God to take it away, to beg him to plead with him to take it away. And even for your brother and sister in Christ, who you know are suffering, going for affliction, it is right, it is proper, it is Christ-like for you to go before the throne of grace and plead on their behalf. The Bible is not against you sharing your grief to God. Read the book of Lamentations. There you have a theology 